podcast is brought to you by my new ebook, I Just Want to Write a Book, Damn, by Courtney Lyric. If you've ever wanted to write a book and you just needed a bit of a push in the right direction to get started, you, yes you, even if you can't even think of a title, you can write a thousand page book if you wanted to with the right tools. This ebook encompasses all the tools you'll need to get started on your own book today for the price of like a number three at McDonald's. If you'd like to download the ebook, the website is payhiponeword.com forward slash Courtney Lyric. Again, that is P-A-Y-H-I-P dot com forward slash Courtney Lyric. Let's start the show. It's your girl. I'm sorry I've been on a bit of a hiatus. Luckily, I did that midweek. So y'all are really still good because I did a midweek. But technically, I did not do a podcast last week. I think for the entire nation, it was a bit emotionally draining. Um, I really wanted to do a podcast where I spoke with a police officer, but I wasn't really able to get one on board, which is fine. You know, they know what they need to do and moving on. I'm going to try my best to stick to my niche on this show and my niche is discussing movies. So, um, but you know, I, I keep stats. You know, what, 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 that, let me stay on subject. All right, so today I'm going to be discussing the movie Just Mercy, which is starring uh, Mr. Michael B. Jordan and also Jamie Foxx, the multi-talented just gift to the black people, really to America. Jamie Foxx is so just oh, talented. But uh, anyway, the story pretty much goes, um, and it's based on a true story, Um I pushed off watching it for the longest because everyone was like, it's a tearjerker. It's a tearjerker to watch out. And, you know, I, I can only do like one of those every six months. But truth be told, I had maybe one moment where I really just cried or was just teary-eyed. And we'll get to that in a minute. But overall, whether you're, you know, my mom said the same thing when I asked her. I was like, have you watched Just Mercy? She was like, no, nah, I heard it was sad. Okay, we've got to get past the rhetoric of not watching quality art because it is sad. If it invokes your emotion, it is doing what it's supposed to do. Now, back to the movie. But anyway, um, so it discusses Harvard Law graduate Brian Stevenson, who is played by MJ, MJB, Michael B. Jordan. I'm sorry, did I say MJB? It's MBJ. Michael B. Jordan, um, and he he has an experience in the beginning of the movie where he is, you know, sitting and talking to someone on death row while he's still in law school, and it comes to find he has a lot in common with this young man. They grew up in similar neighborhoods. He, I think it humanized for him people on death row, you know, and I'm so glad it did because, man, you know, we wouldn't have just mercy, we wouldn't have this story today if a, if a moment... And you can learn something from that. If a moment from just conversating, you know, just talking to someone on death row, like a person, having a, a person, just a regular conversation with a person on death row humanized people on death row for him. You know, sometimes a conversation is really all it takes to humanize some of these issues that have been flaring up in the, in the nation. A lot, you know, well, let's, let's stick to the topic. Anyway, because y'all know me, I'll get off the subject real quick. But, uh, <laughs> so anyway, he has that experience and he makes his mind up that when he graduates, he's going to go to the rural South areas and he is going to help provide people who cannot afford good quality, um, you know, law service who are on, you know, 
to people on death row. Um, against his mama's wishes, you know, I could tell mama wasn't feeling it. You know, you know, just down south is still. What's crazy about it is, I think it was just the cinematics and the way that the director shot everything, but the vibe you get is almost like a 60s or 50s vibe. And what's sad about it is all this took place and like between 1987 and 1993, like I was alive then. I was born in 88. So did I say 97? I'm sorry, 1987 if I did say the wrong thing. In 1993, like I was a kid then. This, this wasn't that long ago at all, at all. And just it just shows how much the monster that is racism really has not been gone as much as people like to profess that it has. This wasn't even barely 30 years ago. And so um, he, he goes down there with no team, um, with no resources other than a really good education, the clothes on his back, a little toot-toot car, and he goes down there, no office, he ain't, you know, he ain't got nothing set up. And he begins this journey. And I, I, I applaud him for it because, wow, you know, how heroic, especially in times like these. Like, this is before social media. This is before cell phones. This is before the age of technology, if you will. So he just goes down there with his guts and his glory. Um, he comes across a young lady who um, agrees to help him. What's crazy about this, the, the lady is white and she got a family, you know, down in the deep south. He's not paying her. Um, what is buku bananas about this is the girl is played by Brie Larson. Um, for all my Marvel fans, that's Captain Marvel. And if you doubt the power of makeup and a good box of hair dye for white women, I had no, no idea that was her. <laughs> like either she's just that good of an actress or the makeup and hair goes far because I was, you know, I, I didn't even think nothing of it until I went, you know, I usually Wikipedia a movie I like and, you know, just review some things. And I saw her name. I was like, what the? No, I'm not back on well. But um, her, she, she, her, her acting was great. I think she, perf um, you know, performed the character very well. I was just a bit shocked that that was her. I was like, damn, you know. That blonde hair takes you to new new heights. But uh, <laughs> shout out to Brie Larson. Shout out to Captain Marvel. But anyway, um, back, to the, back to the story. Okay, so that's his team. At this point, he got Brie and his, his junction. That's it. He um, goes to the county or whatever, to the jail, and he wants to interview or speak with 10 members on, I think it was 10, 10 people on death row to just try to get a feel for their case, a feel for what's going on. And as soon as he gets there, he is met with, with systematic racism. Like, real talk. You know, he comes in looking good in his suit. You know, he let him know what he's here for. It's, it's no question people are not going to like what he's doing because it's deep rural south. These are black men on death row. Some of these crimes involve white people. Or white people are happy to see these men locked up. So nobody really likes what he's doing. Because in the public's eye, once we once we have found you guilty, especially if it's for a heinous crime like rape, brutal rape, murder, we really don't want you tampering with that. And, you know, we've decided this person is guilty. So you trying to go back and say something else is going to cause problems. And it doesn't help that you are some fancy N-word with a fancy degree from Harvard Law. You know what I'm saying? 
So as soon as he comes in, they made him completely stripped. And he, you know, he said, I'm not no lawyer. He said whatever law, you know, he, well, you know, um, defendant lawyers aren't supposed to be stripped. They stripped him anyway. And let's just be clear. This wasn't for protection. This wasn't because they thought he had anything on him. They probably don't ever make the lawyer strip. This was to humiliate an educated black man and to bring him down to the level of a common nigga. Let's just call it what it is. They weren't feeling his uppity, which he wasn't being uppity at all, but they weren't feeling his fancy suit. They weren't feeling his appearance. They weren't feeling what he was down there to do, and they definitely weren't feeling that he was black. So he is stripped down to his balls, and then the little um, cop tries to make a joke and tell him to spread him. Cham. Oh, Lord. I'm going to try my best to stay on topic, but uh, (laughs) what's crazy is that we all that everybody in this scene worked in law enforcement, but only one person was required to have a degree. They give too much power to <laughs> okay. All right, so anyway, so after they humiliated him, he put his suit back on and he came in and did what he came to do. Let me just say this after hearing some of the stories, especially the main character, Mr. Walter McMillan, who was played by Jamie Foxx, his case was so flimsy, I could have tried it. You did not need a Harvard Law degree to see that this man did not do this. You did not need a Harvard Law degree to see that they just threw some shit together and was like, look, okay. So, so pretty much in short, he sits down with at least five that they show, you know. Um, I think he spoke with Jimmy Fox's character last. And the, the, the matter of it is, he was completely innocent. You know, um, the others, some of the others, they, they was like, look, you know, I, I did it. You know, I did do it. But um, Jamie was completely innocent. And he came in there with the least amount of hope. How sad is that? You know, they've already, his take was, I've already tried to appeal it. I've already tried to do this. I've already tried to do that. They have already made their mind up that I killed this white girl. So that's all that's that's needed. They're going to set my date. I'm going to pretty much perish. What are you going to do that's any different than anything anything I've seen? You know, the other people were actually a little more hopeful, and some of them was guilty. But here we have a completely innocent man who had just given up all hope because it's evident no matter what, they had no DNA. No evidence, no fingerprints, wasn't no hair found at the scene, wasn't no tire tracks, were no shoe prints, none of that, footprints, none of that. They had, let me tell you, <laughs> let me tell you if you haven't seen the movie, what they was working with. A testimony from, I believe, a drug-induced white felon. Yes, felon. <laughs> That's it. That is all they had. And, and may I just add that it was cooperated? Now, I, I, let's just pretend it wasn't cooperated. And pretty much that just means it's been, it's, been, it's been fiddled with. Pressure has been put on you for you to say this. That's what cooperation means. That's what cooperated means. But let's just pretend that it wasn't. Let's say that this was his real-life testimony. That is literally all they had. That is it. All they had, this wasn't even no well-to-do white man. This wasn't no prestigious business person. Drug-induced felon. Like, this fool is already in jail. 
So we're gonna take the word of an inmate and not to not to please don't take that the wrong way. I'm just talking about for the for the plight of this story. And and you will definitely understand why I'm saying this when I say this next part. So we are literally taking nothing but the testimony of a felon who was trying to save his own ass, in short. Whereas 12 other black people agreed to testify and say that Mr. McMillan was with them all day at a church function. 12. You got 12 eyewitnesses that you are overlooking to hurry up and back up this one raggedy, clearly corroborated, thrown together testimony from a felon. That's it. They didn't find no hair. He didn't leave a hat. He, you know, none of that. They didn't find his semen inside the girl. None of that. All they got is a raggedy testimony <laughs> from a felon. Who just happens to be white. But I mean, that is all. And every time this man has tried to appeal his case, every time he's trying to get a turnover, any of that, they, they haven't collected any new evidence over the years. And I think by the time Michael B. Jordan character, um, Brian Stevenson rolled around, this man had been on death row for like three or four years. So he's been in prison for years with an S. No new evidence has come. Because the, the arrest took place in 1987. Now I was born in 88, so my sister was about one years old at this point. This wasn't that long ago. And that's literally all they had. Hmm. So anyway, by now his character has given him complete hope. He wasn't even very open with Michael B. Jordan's character. Well, let me quit calling him Michael B. Jordan with Mr. Brian Stevenson. He kind of sat down and was like, look, ain't nothing you gonna do. They done made their minds up. Guard, if you're all right, I, if it's all right with you, I'd like to go back to him. Like, he wasn't feeling him at all because he had been sold so many dreams and it appeared that no matter what, this is, this is just this is just what it is. This is just what it is. And um, I'm so glad that Mr. Stevenson did not give up. Because like I said, if you really even read the case, a child could have tried that case and found that man not guilty because the evidence wasn't there. But you're, we're dealing with the Deep South. We're dealing with the death of a white woman and a black man on the other end. It doesn't take much to get 12 jurors to believe he did it. Because at the end of the day, no matter what evidence is or ain't there, 12 people still got to make a decision. And it, it's so sad and disappointing that this raggedy testimony <laughs> is, is, is all it took for them to say, oh, he did this. He did it. No, it wasn't, it wasn't the testimony that moved them. It was, a, it was a white woman that is dead, a black man that's sitting in the seat, and, worse, and a white man that's saying he did it. So it must be true. Anywho, um, there were a few other characters who we grew to love. They were on death row along with Mr. McMillan. One was Hubert. Um, I can't remember the other one's name offhand, who was played by uh, Ice Cube's extra fine son. <laughs> you know, a shout out to O'Shea. He is really just making his name as an actor, you know, getting from up under his dad and um, doing his own thing and you know he, he comes from some good genes so you know Ice Cube is fine so it's always it's always nice to lay eyes on him as well but um, 
So what? Michael B. Jordan, he, he gets to work. He goes down, he introduces himself, he talks to the family, he talks to the other, you know, members of the community who, who came to show up for Mr. McMillan. He takes their testimonies, and lo and behold, there is a person who can, who can, who can vouch that the person who gave this corroborated-ass story, his name is Ralph Myers, by the way, that's the white person who, the white felon. Um, this man can vouch that he was with Ralph Myers for a certain amount of hours throughout the day. I think all day. I don't know. He was with him working on a car or something. So he says there is no way that Ralph Myers was where he said he was to see Mr. McMillan. Now, I, a part of me is like, why he didn't come out, why he and Ben came out and said this. But we got to understand, this is Alabama in a still very post-racial time. I know you would assume by the 80s and 90s that, no, he probably was in fear for his life. So he signs a document and agrees to testify that Mr. Myers' original, you know, statement was BS because I was with him. He didn't see anybody. Oh, sicky now. We got something. It's getting real. It's getting real. Shit is getting real. All right. So, okay. <laughs> we got something. Now, Mr. McMillan is feeling that feeling that has kept black folks strong and going since the days of slavery, and that's hope. And that's something he had not felt in a while. It didn't take long, as it, as it normally never does in these kind of situations, for the racists to start making their threats. They, they're calling Brie Larson's house, threatening, talking about, we're going to put a bomb in your house if you don't stop helping that nigger, you know... And all he's trying to do is free a man who is innocent. All he's trying to do is his job as a lawyer. You know, people are more empathetic towards this dead white girl than this man who is about to be fried that doesn't even know this young lady. But that doesn't matter to the public. It doesn't matter to anyone. So, of course, the racists show up and start doing what they do best. And at this point, the young man who agreed who signed the document, you know, and agreed to testify to help Mr. McMillan out, he's scared. Understandably so. He's scared. I don't want no, you know, never mind, never mind. They tripping. I might not even have a job tomorrow. You know, the white folks is tripping. I, I, I get it, and my heart goes out to Mr. McMillan, but I don't want no parts in this. Understandably so. There's a part of me that felt like, eh, but on the other hand, if the shoe was on, I mean, I can't, I make no promises. You threatening me, you threatening my family, you threatening our well-being. I get it. So I, I understand. So now they got to start from scratch again. Mr. Stevenson says, bump all this. I'm going straight to the source. I'm going to talk to Ralph Myers myself. Because this whole trying to get other people to speak up thing, it isn't working. And Jamie Foxx's character was like, man, don't even bother. That man trying to save his own skin. He don't even bother. So he goes and he talks to Ralph Myers. I'm glad he was brave enough to do that. The first go round, eh. You know, but he, he keeps coming. He comes back. He builds rapport. He lets them know that I know that your stuff is faulty. And then he starts making friends who can make some things happen. He got a hold of the tape. Let's see here. He got a hold of the tape from when he was first arrested. When they first got Ralph Myers in custody, 
and they tried to make him say that Walter McMillan, you know, did this, he said, no, I will not frame an innocent man. And you know what they did with our law abiding, <laughs> what the sheriff, the DA, the officers of Alabama did, they threatened him with death row. Because you refuse to testify against an innocent person, we're going to put you on death row. He already had a phobia of fires. So what they did was put his cell right next to the electrocution room. Not only could he hear everything that was happening to the people who were being killed, he could smell the skin burning. That's how close he was. Officers did that to force him, to bully him. Illegally, might I add, into corroborating a story against this person he has never met. Between the time they originally asked him to testify, he said no. And when he finally said, oh yeah, he did it, three months. So the tape that we have originally says, no, I will not. I don't know this man. I don't know nothing about this. He's innocent. And then three months later, it completely changes. Oh yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I remember that day. Yeah, I saw his truck. See, let's be real. I think they picked Mr. McMillan to pin this on because he was a, a nigga in a fancy truck. And they didn't like that anyway. He had his own business, cutting down trees. He answered to himself. And there was a lot of people that didn't really care for that anyway. Oh, yes. And here's the tea, honey. He did indeed have an affair with a white woman. Oh, y'all gonna learn. <laughs> so he did indeed have an affair with a white woman prior to all of this embarrassing his lovely wife who was riding and holding him down even while he was on death row uh, my gosh y'all gonna learn so you know I ain't saying it's karma but um I think it was easy for people to put two and two together oh maybe he may have possibly had dealings with this young lady because he's messed with white women before also you know white you know the white man wasn't feeling him you mess with our women you got a little fancy truck and you got your own business oh they they been trying to get that food so, <laughs> you know, the man's testimony changed up. Michael B. Jordan was able to prick his heart with his words, told him about how the man had kids and a wife, I guess things he didn't know or didn't really care about. And, it, and then all of a sudden, <laughs> he agreed. He agreed to say that his original testimony was BS and that he would st go on the stand and say what it was. And he did that. He did just that. In fact, they, they did so much work that little law team they went and found everybody who's connected with that case an officer had been fired because he wouldn't lie and say things that supported their case and they fired him he was white he testified they had so many people come and testify and you know what they still did didn't overturn a damn thing they said that due to pressure ralph myers all of a sudden changed his story no pressure is what they did when they threatened him with death row and moved his cell right next to the electrocution room that was pressure he is in his right mind he is not being for he even said it. he said how is this gonna benefit me any if anything this gonna get me more time but i'm not doing it it's sad when a felon has more decency compassion and empathy than the whole damn state of alabama than the whole law enforcement anyway. This man sitting up here, he actually is a criminal. I don't know what he's in, in jail for. But he ain't no straight-laced dude. And you mean to tell me the people that we pay to protect us, he's got more heart, more decency than they do? 
they're so sympathetic with the girl's parents. We don't want her to, re we don't want to relive this pain. And I, I do, I sympathize with you. But, however, y'all are putting away an innocent man and taking him from his children. Not them, you know, not them personally, but meanwhile, your daughter's killer is out here somewhere buying Twinkies. That isn't justice for her. If this isn't, the, this, this is me as a parent. If this is not the person who did this, baby, free that, free that man and let's go find who really did it. Even if he looks like me. Okay, like <laughs> this does this does nothing for the honor of my daughter or for the memory of my daughter. Just pinning this on something, but I think the area was it's a small area, and we had a dead white woman. People were probably uneasy. They were probably pressuring the shit out of the police station, out of that office. They wanted answers because they were scared. And instead of utilizing resources. I hate security cameras weren't a thing back then. You know, forensics, I guess. Maybe they couldn't afford all that, you know. But it was much easier to just pin it on somebody so we could appease the anxious white people. It happens all the time. If you want to go back to my podcast when I discuss the movie When They See Us, that was another example of that. We had a, a, white, a white woman who had been brutally raped and New York was on edge. They wanted answers. People were getting anxious. By people, I mean white people. When white people get anxious, black people go to jail. So it was easier to corroborate four children because that's what took place then. Law officers put pressure on them and on their families to make up stories, to make up testimonies, to incriminate themselves instead of actually just finding the, the, the real assailant. Because when white people are anxious and scared, let's just get somebody and pin this to them so that we can de-escalate that's not proper de-escalation and it's definitely not justice so once the okay back to our back to just mercy though but go check that out when they see us it's actually still my uh, most downloaded podcast to date hey but anyway <laughs> so um after all that after all these different prestigious white people <laughs> come and testify i'm talking about got the family's hopes all the way up they still would not overturn his case. Man, that's racism for you. That's systematic racism for you. That's why it's so much deeper than, I don't like black people. No, if you have enough people in power that can make life-changing decisions, who do not like black people? Stuff like just mercy happens. This man could have been electrocuted to death. What a horrible way to go. For something he had absolutely nothing to do with. And it makes you wonder, how many times has this happened? Have white people gotten anxious and they just pin some colored face to it to, to, to calm the beast? No real story, no real DNA, no real evidence, corroborated stories just to hurry up and put somebody on it to appease people's anxiousness. It's not getting justice for the victims. It's not getting real answers for the public, and you're destroying innocent lives in the process. Who is this helping? If that's not systematic racism, I don't know what is. That's why it is so much more than Confederate flags and, oh, I don't like you because you dark-skinned. No. This systematic racism, this beast, it literally kills people. And it lets criminals get away. And it's still happening today. 
the reason that they put just mercy for free on all these platforms is because unless you live under a rock and don't know or maybe you're listening to this podcast in the future the country is in array it is in there have been more political protests and riots at one time in this country this past week than there ever has been we are living in a very historical moment right now everybody from alaska to daggone it the uk is saying black lives matters black lives matter which is so phenomenal because a year a few years ago when the black lives matter movement began they were immediately labeled by political parties as thugs it's so strange to see something they were they were they were labeled as troublemakers it was looked at as a little group of people who just wanted to start trouble instead of a movement a movement to just get black people the decency that mr walter mcmillan should have gotten in 1987. if it wasn't for brian stevenson walter mcmillan would be just another dead black man that systematic racism helped kill this wasn't no gang violence this wasn't no black on black this was hey um white people are angry and we need some kind of answer to give them here pin it on that black guy we don't really like him he, he thinks he's 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 the shit anyway with his fancy truck and his fancy business pin it on his ass how many times just how many times has this possibly happened in america how many people are sitting on death row how many people have been in prison for years over stuff over victimless crimes even if they did do something you know what i'm saying 20 30 15 years over ridiculous stuff meanwhile you got cops out here killing people getting 10 years some of them not getting most of them not getting anything so that is why just mercy is on all these platforms for free because right now it's getting real out here it's getting real I hate that George Floyd, I feel like he was just the straw that broke the camel's back. This is far from being about him because his video was just as disturbing as Walter Scott's. His video was just as disturbing as Alton Sterling's. His video was just as disturbing as Tamir Rice. I don't think anything was done in this particular video that was so heinous in comparison to all the other people who have passed away by the hands of law enforcement. And I'm sorry to get off subject, but... If that had to be the camel that that we rolled Black Lives Matter to up to the mountaintop, then fine. But a lot of people are saying justice for George Floyd, but there are hundreds of names behind him, including Walter McMillan, even though he didn't end up getting killed, that should be attached to that. Systematic racism ruins lives, mostly black ones. But anyway, I get back on topic. Thank you for my, uh, thank you for coming to my TED talk. Anywho, where was I? Yes. So they overturned his. Um, they, they 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 paid it no mind. All this work they did, good work too, good legal work, which is more than I can say for the people who originally handled this case. Blew it off, sent him right back to death row. So you know what they said. We going over your motherfucking head. And I'm so glad they did that. I hate the social media wasn't around then because all he had to do was all they had to do was just go live at the court hearings and stuff and just make videos and, and, and encourage people to make them go viral. But before there was social media, baby, there was sixty minutes. Dun 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 dun. Good. My boy got on sixty minutes. 
and went public. As much public as you could for this day and time. Y'all don't want to get fired. We're going to get support from elsewhere. Because everybody don't think like Alabama. See, the problem is we've been just dealing with Alabamians in their home state, in their hometown, in their in little corner of the world where everybody has this same whack-ass thinking. Let's get this story out to people with a little more authority and who got more expanded thinking than this. It sounded crazy to other, other people. So now at this point, all the people are being put on blast. I don't know what the guy's name was, the main white guy. I don't know if he's a DA or what he was. But I kept calling him Richard Simmons. I ain't gonna lie, when I watch TV, I yell at the screen. So I, I was yelling Richard. Because he got the little Richard Simmons curly Jufro thing going on. And uh, it was red. <laughs> if y'all watch the movie, you know who I'm talking about. So at this point, he's feeling the fire. People have been treating me this kind of way and that kind of way ever since you guys went on 60 Minutes. Me not giving a damn. I was like, all right, Richard Simmons, what's up? So um, <laughs> Michael B. Jordan goes to Richard Simmons' house. And he's like, look, it's, it's over with. I'm taking this thing to the Alabama Supreme Court. You can either ride with me or you can get rolled on. What's up? I know you want to do the right thing. That's why I absolutely love this Brian Stevenson person because he, as famous as I'm sure he was getting and apparently has gotten, he never lost sight of why he came. And that's to save a man's life. And I think what did it for him was uh, Hubert. I think I mentioned him earlier. Hubert was a Vietnam War veteran who suffered from PSTD just heinously. He, he, he tried to commit suicide. He had all kinds of stuff on his file where America failed him. But I think his entire platoon died in an attack except him. And it just jacked his brain up severely. So we didn't give him the help we needed. he needed. We failed him severely as a veteran. We didn't protect him. He made a bomb or something and put it on a, a woman's porch. And she did pass away. You know, and of course, they put him on death row. So, I mean, he actually did do the crime. But did we fail him still? Did systematic racism still play a part in this? Yes. Because as soon as he got back, he should have been able to get the mental help he needed, the um, physical, you know, as far as um, medical help that he needed. He should have been able to have access to all of that, and he did not. And we treat so many veterans, especially veterans of color, that way. So when he passed away, or when he was set to, to die because... Um, Michael B. Jordan, he really did try to get his case overturned, and he just couldn't. He couldn't. So um, he wanted, you know, he wanted a particular gospel song played when he died. He wanted Michael B. Jordan to be there with him. And he got to see in person, the first, you know, for the first time, someone be executed by, you know, someone be executed by electrocution. <laughs> That's a tongue twister. And I think it shook him to his core. He was like, it was the most disturbing thing I've ever seen. And I, I'm, I don't, I think he was just hell bent on not having that happen to Mr. McMillan. So at this point, they go to the Alabama Supreme Court, and lo and behold, they they bring their A game still. Like everything is still fire. We just not in your little corner of Alabama anymore. And it's obvious they were gonna win. They were ready for the fight. But Richard Simmons had a change of heart. He said. Because Michael B. Jordan wasn't like, I don't want, I don't want no little, we're going to get him off a of death row. I don't want to get him 30 years and then he out. Now, nah, baby, we want to turn over all charges, which is what they should have gotten. Because he didn't do anything, so he doesn't need to serve any more time. He's already given the state of Alabama six years of his life for something he did not do. Wasn't on the scene, have no real evidence. Y'all already have gotten six years of my life. Like, if his children, and he's got kids, might I add. 
If they were six when he went in, they're twelve now. You know what I'm saying? That's that's a lot. Of, that's a lot of years missed for an appeasement of white anxiousness. But I digress. And just like that, um, the judge said, "Well, y'all made my 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 job easy today." Oh, and thank goodness it was a woman judge. Ah. Oh Lord, I hey, take it how you want. <laughs> I think it made a world of difference either way. But um. You know, Michael B. Jordan made his statements, and then when it was time for the the opposing party to make their statements, we so we we join in. We're joining in. We we agree to turn over because it isn't him. It wasn't him. At this point, I think Richard Simmons was really just trying to cover his own ass. It's a lot of that going on right now too. Oh, be mindful. It's a lot of people. A lot of businesses that all of a sudden are putting out, you know, Black Lives Matter, we stand in solidarity, that just a few years ago were right there calling BLM thugs. Who didn't have a, a nickel penny to have nothing to say about racism. Please let it be known, this platform is not is not that. If you have listened to me from day one to today, we are about that black shit. You hear me? <laughs> It ain't never been known. We speak boldly on racism, misogyny, homophobia, and all that stuff on this here podcast. So I cannot relate to these people that are all of a sudden pro-black. But that's fine. Like I said, at this point, whatever it takes. If that's the camel we got to ride, it is what it is. Because trust, trust me, the diehard racists do not care. <laughs> <laughs> they they stand in their ground, but it's a few of them that's you know trying to cover up with a blanket statement on social media, and it's hard to tell the real from the fake. I say the best way to tell is what you've been saying. Hello, because if you've been quiet for all these years, and all of a sudden George Floyd's video was just the one that convinced you to speak up, then I can't help you because I'm still on Tamir Rice, a 12 year old baby, being shot down by some frightened ass cop. What, because he had a toy gun. If that didn't break your heart, I don't know that, a, you know, George, Big, you know, Big Floyd getting killed would make a difference either. But I digress. So Richard Simmons probably did just join in to save his own ass. Or maybe there was a part of him that genuinely felt like, you know what, this is wrong. This is wrong. This is wrong. And so the man, you know, Mr. McMillan uh, was freed. I tried to do some further research. I'm not showing anywhere that the state of Alabama paid him anything. You know how um, when they see us, they were giving millions. I don't see anywhere that they gave him anything. Now, I could be wrong. I could do further research. If I'm, if I'm incorrect, correct me in the comments. That's fine. But I'm not showing anywhere where I look that he got paid a dime. For those six years that he served on death row, he was exonerated, true enough, but I'm really not showing where he got fiscally, you know, repaid. I could be completely wrong. I just watched the movie last night, so I mean, well, night before last, so. Um, but it, it's heartbreaking. I think the one part, like I said, that made me cry was Hubert. When he got electrocuted, you know, every in the prison, people would beat their cans or their, you know, their little tin cups against the bars and to let him know that they supported him and they were like we're with you Hubert you know you're not by yourself because he said I hate I have to be alone during this and what just makes me sick is that there's some plate glass window and all these people sit on the other side and not family members or loved ones the people that arrested him like the people in the jail they're sitting there like this is some damn horse derby and they're watching a, a, it's disgusting 
I hate that that's how he had to leave this world or anyone else who is dying by electrocution. I can understand the family, like if the family of the victim or whatever wanted to come see, but who are all these other spectators? Like some, this is somebody's life, you know? But that, you know, when they did that, when they was beating the cans and he could hear them and he was doing his deep breathing to help because he had panic attacks due to the PTSD, that part I did cry on. It just showed what kind of person, you know, Mr. McMillan was. He he was even in even in this situation, he was still such a giver. He was still himself. In this hopeless situation. He didn't reek of bitterness. He was kind. He made friends on death row. One of his friends, eventually, Mr. Brian Stevenson, did help get off of death row and get freed. And that wasn't it took, he served thirty years. It wasn't until two thousand fifteen, but he did eventually get that man his life back. Like, people like Brian Stevenson, you just have to have a gift and a real heart for people. I don't even think he did all this to become famous. I'm so glad that he put his story out. And I hope that it ignites other lawyers and ignites other counties. The one thing about the United States is, unfortunately, things are done on a state level. And if you live in a piss-poor-ass racist state, <laughs> it can be a downfall. There are times I wish we were like England and we just had one monarch and just did things one way. But unfortunately, we got a dumbass for a president right now. So <laughs> that this would not be the time for that. But what he does is influence the hate. Let me hush. Um, but now all of a sudden he is pro Black Lives Matter and he wants to speak on behalf of George Floyd and all this stuff. Get on. Just get on. You know? Um... Anyway, back to the movie. Like I said, I, I said I would try my best to stay on topic. Um, it was absolutely great work. I really wish it would have, you know, done more numbers wise. At at first, I was not going to watch it because a, I don't do tearjerkers, and b, I'm not the hugest Michael B. Jordan fan, which I've said that on this show before. You know, his um fan sentiment towards white women. Anyway, um, I just didn't buy him as a lawyer. I didn't at first. You know, before I watched it. I was like, eh, I feel like they should have got somebody unknown so we could really, he, he's too known. That was just me. He's too known. No matter what, we're going to look at it and be like, oh, Michael Jordan, you know. But he, he was professional. You know, he did his job, which is an actor. And he, he still brought the character to life. He didn't look like himself. And I think that's what they were going for. He didn't look like, you know, the sexy Michael B. Jordan that is on the cover of Essence with his six-pack out. You know, they, I guess, you know regularized him up a bit and he, he looked like a regular guy which I mean at the end of the day he is but he did good and of course Jamie you can't go wrong with Jamie Foxx like he's so talented it's ridiculous my problem is why do they always give my boy these horrendous wigs okay for instance <laughs> for all my uh, Marvel fans again the amazing Spider-Man 2 is one of my favorite all time Marvel movies but that horrible wig he had on when he played Electroid. Oh, goodness. Um, <laughs> the fake gap teeth. They always give my boy these terrible-ass wigs. And, but he still pushes through and always does a good job. He is such an American gem. Um, if you have not watched Just Mercy, I would suggest watching it with your family and friends. I would suggest watching it with your children. My boys did not want to watch it. They didn't want to. So I ended up watching it by myself. But um, when I told them about it, you know, and explain to them what happened, they were then a little more interested, so, but in short, I love the movie, I'm so glad that they did release it for free, you know, instead of charging the $5.99 or whatever, because this is something people need to see, 
on a state level, voting is so important. The crazy thing about this is even after this, you know, even after um, Mr. McMillian got exonerated, McMillan, I'm sorry, got exonerated, the sheriff was re-voted in for like three or four more terms after that. That's why that state level stuff is dangerous. Here's my thinking, and I hope there's somewhere where we can get something going. Anybody who touches a case where there has been evidence that is tampered with, corroborated um, testimonies, any of that should be immediately fired and arrested. We have got to stop holding civilians to higher standards than we do people in law offices. You mean to tell me your job is literally to be a sheriff of this town and you ha- you can threaten and bully people? You can corroborate um, testimonies. You can pressure people into giving false testimonies. It's a it is a it is a crime to lie on stand. And if someone pressured this man to do that, they need to be in prison right along with his ass. If anything, the people in law enforcement should get double what a civilian would get. Perjury, I'm, y'all have to give me perjury, corroboration. Um, tampering of evidence, those things are illegal. Why is this man allowed to be back in this office? The DA, Richard Simmons, all of them should have, it's no different than when they see us. Those people remained in their positions after, um, you know, they continued in their positions as well. Why? How? What you did was illegal. You tampered with evidence. You made somebody seem like they were guilty when they weren't. That's, that's illegal. Now, if a cop steals a bag of weed from the evidence room, that's his ass. But you mean to tell me we can pressure children, adults, uh, free-speaking citizens. We can bully them into saying things on stands in front of juries that is false and not go to prison? That's something America needs to do something about ASAP. But anywho, I'm going to get on with my day. And I thank you guys so much for tuning in. It was very passionate. I'm sorry if I got a little heated because I was trying my best to just talk about this movie. But like I said, if you're listening to this in the future, where we are right now is a heated, passionate time. And that's why it took me a little minute to get y'all on the podcast. I appreciate y'all. But like I said, I did do a midweek, so you should be good. But um, man, it's hard not to get passionate talking about this because it is ridiculous. It is ridiculous. A hardworking family man... This could have been anybody. And, oh, we decided we're going to pick that. Here, pick him. Put it on him. Say it was him. And they just go with it. They just go with it. Why? Because he's black. That's the only, We don't have any evidence. We don't have any real stories. If we put this out to the public, at least the public who thinks like we do, they're going to buy it. Well, they're going to have white... I, I, but this is where my allies come in. Oh, I said I was going to stay on subject. For my white people who are really trying to grow, who are really trying to learn to be allies... I am willing to bet you if one white person would have came to that office and spoke on Mr. McMillan's behalf, if one, if one of those 12 people that testified that he was he was with them all day had been white, I promise you this case would have went a little different. Please don't think that you have power because you do. Allyship is important. Had one white person came up and been like, this isn't right, he was with me, he he did not do this. I can vouch for him. 
do not make me call so and so because white people love to throw around their connections. If one white person would have went, especially a white man, we went down there and said, I know Mr. McMillan personally, and he would not do this. I saw him here and he was not there. And if you don't fix this right now, I'm going to call so-and-so. Baby, Mr. Stevenson could have saved his gas money because they would have freed him. Stop standing idly by talking about Black Lives Matter if when it is time to be a true ally, you are sitting there on top of your hands letting the racist people run the show. Utilize your white privilege for good. It's too many black people trying to tear down a building, a wall they didn't build. No, y'all pick up y'all shovels. You pick up your hammers. Get to work, for real. And a social media post is a good start. But in everyday life, start using your whiteness for good. Okay? The one thing I like about Brie Larson's character, and I hate that she got threatened. I thought she was going to back down after that person <laughs> called her house and threatened her family and I'm glad she didn't back down Mike she was an ally to Michael B. Jordan he needed help he needed a secretary he was out there by himself he couldn't afford to pay anybody who was worth their weight in salt she was a true ally in uh, in the 80s they could have hurt her you saw time to kill you saw how they did um what's her name Sandra um Sandra Bullock's, Bullock's character that could have happened to her but she stood her ground despite being a white woman. You are more effective than you think. That's if I have any white listeners. I'm just saying. It's time to utilize your whiteness for good. And not just, well, I don't know what to do. I don't know how I can help. Yeah, you can. Yeah, it's ways to learn. But anywho, I got off subject there, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know how I do. But once again, thank you so much for listening. God bless and you all enjoy your day. If you enjoyed this, go ahead and subscribe. Become a follower. Follow me on IG, The Thick Writer Chick. I'm there. Um, and also on Facebook, it'll be Courtney. What is it? Facebook forward slash Courtney Lyric Presents. Thank y'all and have a good day. Bye.